Welcome to the Language of Ahava podcast, a podcast for families with young children. So what happens when a rabbi and an early childhood teacher walk into a podcast? I think it's going to be fun, and I'm sure it's going to be about connections. Hi, I'm Karen DeWister, and I'm the early childhood teacher. And I'm David Steinhardt. I'm the senior rabbi at B'nai Torah Congregation. Every conversation that I have with Karen is always fascinating and leads to new ideas. So joining together with Karen, making connections together is really what our goal is. I thank you because what the perspective that you bring to my world and my experiences from the Torah, from tradition, from community, um, from parenthood and grandfatherhood, it's all magnificent. So here comes our podcast. Uh, we'll be posting every other Friday just before Shabbat because we want to make these connections with you. And when you give a little ahava, you make this world a better place. I'm ready, Karen. Let's get going. Here we go. Welcome to episode 16. Here is part two of the, the beautiful conversation that we had two weeks ago. And it has been reframed into the hard conversations that we have with kids, whether it's COVID, whether it's God, whether it's all the complications of a grown-up world. And we've brought back this magnificent panel. We have Avi Steinhardt. Give us a wave, Av. Hi. Um, a psychotherapist from Brooklyn, a poet, and of course, a parent of a, of a, a little person with big questions, I'm sure. We also have Allison Sherman. Hi, Allison. Uh, Hi. Our parent spokesperson, our, our the heart of parents, our colleague, our friend. Welcome back. And my co-host, Rabbi David Steinhardt. Rabbi, where would you like us to begin this big conversation? It is such a big conversation, and I recognized it at the time as we all did, and then kind of felt it a little more powerfully when it was over. And I think each of us, the panelists, had thought about a lot of things we would have liked to have said, thought of things that were left unmentioned um, and questions left unmentioned. We realized that the question asked by the little child about God is also our question. And so we were dealing with it in a rather sophisticated way, uh, which is good and important. By the way, I don't know, this is the second part in this conversation, but my sense uh, from myself, my conversations with you, Karen, and with you, Allison, and with Avi, is that um, it's a conversation that could go on for a very long time. And there are, there are always new ways in which it appears. So I, you know, hope that today we can bring it a little bit um, closer to our children in terms of the questions that they ask and the way we respond, but also what it is that they need from us, who they need us to be, and how we as parents can bring them comfort and help them, help them in their development without feeling uh, too fearful, too insecure too uncertain in this world, which is very fearful and insecure and uncertain. And I, so I'm looking forward to our conversation about this. I'd like it to now pass it right to Allison, um, because you've gone through that first level of um, answering, preparing an answer for a child. And where are you this week? Where am I this week? <laughs> um, 
Well, you know, it's, it's hard when there are questions asked that really truly have no definitive answer. So now you're talking about your own beliefs, your own feelings, your own fears, your own insecurities. Everything is, um, you know, makes it that much more complicated. Um, I don't, you know, since the last time we spoke, actually a, a lot of people reached out and so many people said, we're in the same boat. You know, our kids are asking questions. We don't have the answers. We don't know if we're saying the right things or doing the right things. And, you know, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for giving voice to this. Um, and you're not alone. And I, I got so much, you know, an outpouring of kindness and compassion. And that's where I'm really trying to focus these days is just on the kindness and compassion. And I think that's something that is within our control to bring to our children and something we can model. And listen, you know, it's, it's, it's a scary time for anybody. And, you know, for children, they're looking to us and we don't have the answers, but we can certainly model some level of, you know, well, look at all the great things and look at all the kindness and look at all um, all the people coming together and whether or not God is in that conversation, I'm not really sure. Um, but and, there, right. and when a so child big. asks, it's, it's so big. <laughs> so when a child asks, is God evil? We're not even sure that they need that answer. Um, maybe they do. But but like you said, maybe God isn't in that answer. And you started last episode with that struggle and now as you did last time you've led us with your heart to say at least I found this heart response that says I've been embraced I've been heard I'm not alone and so that alone gives you tools as a parent to come back to your child. So, and, and as Rabbi said, I definitely wanna talk about the what kids need and the, and the developmental questions. But, but I think that underneath all of our exploration has been this question, do parents need to have all the answers? And you articulated that last week with, I don't have the answers and my children look at me like I should. And maybe that's the first thing we can put a, a, aside. We know more than children for just because we've had we've lived on this planet longer and maybe we have skills and strategies and a couple of answers that have steered us. So we have a beginning point to start exploring. My my take has always been instead of because I don't think children even here or are satisfied with one right answer. So we end up having to be open to problem solving with them. And we wanna raise children and, and in a Jewish tradition, we wanna honor a Jewish tradition of asking questions and exploring possibilities. And so how do we become skillful maybe at um, problem solving, listening, skill building, ritual making, meaning making, but I'll put all that aside. Um, just that was sort of a summary of, of what I heard you say, which is I'll lead with my heart and then we'll find the tools as we go. But right now we're connected. Avi, 
um, parent hat, therapist hat, where would you like to jump in? Um, well, I can tell you about how sometimes I get uh, uh, toggled from one to the other through no choice of my own. You know, that I, I, I left our last conversation wondering about, you know, the amount of a concrete answer that you can give a kid when, when your own um, faith might lie in the mysterious or the abstract. And, um, you know, how much of a concrete answer might a kid need? Because how much might just the abstract be too panic-inducing? Yeah. And um, I thought those were pretty good questions. Um, and I didn't feel in any real hurry to answer them. And then, you know, my kid, um, my daughter, my, uh, who's four and a half, um, she said out loud um, in front of uh, my wife and I that she asked God to not let her brain think about dying. And I said, um, well, um, why is it that you would rather not think about dying? She said, well, it scares me a little. And I said, um, well, what makes you feel better when you're scared? Um, and she said, a big uppy. And I said, well, I think that might be what dying is like, the, the, the biggest uppy ever. And uh, this is, by the way, not an example of a, a moment that I believe landed or not, or, or, or something I'm particularly proud of. It's, it's a moment that I showed up to with no answers ahead of time. And I, I, it's, uh, it's some of my background in jazz more than my background in therapy that guides me in a moment like that, where I'm Improv. trying to be open and playful and responsive to what's happening as opposed to guided by any sense of certainty or expertise. Well, I can't, I, I have to ask what an uppy is, but I can tell you that that, um, <laughs> um, that not showing up to guide it works really well with young children because when we make that space, they'll show us where they need us to go. And I have this saying that we're smarter than children, but not if we think about it ahead of time. I mean, not when we think we know all the answers, but it's that idea of knowing that I have something to draw on. I can trust that I have something to draw on and I can show up and meet their needs. So what's an uppie? It's being picked up and held. Okay, well, that's as concrete as concrete can be. Um, I'm scared. I need a hug. I need reassurance. I need to be held. And 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 I'm and Allison's nodding here, but I feel like that happens with school age children as much as it happens with preschool age children. Is that physical comfort of touch, of presence, of all of that? is probably a really good starting response. What I can also just tell you, and this just, I, I, I mean, it's just so hard when your kids blindside you, whether it's COVID, whether it's God, whether it's death, but everything I've had to think about 
after last conversation, went back to everything I know about talking to children about death. Because when I was a first time teacher in a pre-K classroom, I know developmentally, they are going to bring up death. It always comes. You could be talking about sap in a tree. You could be talking about a bug on the ground and they wanna know developmentally. So, but here's the mystery of all of that because we bring our baggage. Death means this, death means this, death means grief. I mean, from the therapist's point of view, you know, the number one answer is use the right words, be clear, be succinct. Yes, everything dies, everything lives, everything dies. And you say it with an acceptance of a, hmm, it's with the start, not starting about the, the personal part of it yet. But, but what's going to happen is they just want to know about life cycle. They want to know about facts about the world. What's this all about? But then in that beautiful way that pre-K kids do, they're flipping it in the same way that when you ask about divorce, they're asking about, Am I, did I make this happen? You have all that convoluted circling around because they're not rational and they're not grounded. So now we have the, if I think about death, that's going to lead me to think about what about my mommy and daddy? And when I ask about my mommy and daddy, and they will inevitably go from that dead bug to mommy and daddy in, 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 in a blink. And that question is straight out of the fairy tales. It's developmental. It is archetypal developmental thinking. And I'm saying this just for you in, those, in that vocabulary. It is, will I be abandoned? And so you're not answering the question of what's death. I'm answering a different question. Will I, am I safe? Will I be abandoned? You know, and that's where you need. So back to how do we come up with concrete answers? We ask, we answer literally the question that was asked. It's going to be true with where do babies come from? It's going to be ask this answer, the simplest question you can just to find yourself some level ground. Then wait, watch, listen. Now you're going to find out, are there other emotional things and where are, the, how are they connecting the dots? And all I can do as a grown up is be grateful that they will somehow find a way to be transparent with me. But I can always trust that if I'm listening, they will be transparent. Now, when it comes to concrete, and then I'll, and I'll take a deep breath here and let anybody else who wants to go next, but when, how do we answer abstractly or concretely is you answer the death with some facts. You use the word death and dying. And no, when, you know, when, that flower died in the vase. We put, we threw it into the compost bin and we never saw that flower again. It's irreversible, but they don't even know at four and a half that death is irreversible because they have magical thinking. So we've got all of that. But, but then we have the, will I be abandoned? Which is the really the question that's the unsettling question. Otherwise it's just fact finding. And then that question it is, I will always leave breadcrumbs so that you can find your way back to me. I will always find you, you go to fairy tales, go to stories, go to songs, go to anything else that gives them something to hold on to. 
That's what the concrete is. I can hook my thinking and my feelings to something that's real to me. Part of my, what, what, I, what I wrote down as you go through all, but you go through all of this soup to get to a, a, an answer or a response. And my heart is, if I can think and feel like my particular child or this particular child, not like his brother, not like his sister, not like my fake, my, my, my fake child that I've imagined, then I will find the answer that works for them if I can think and, and feel with them and bring my adult experience, knowledge, heart. There's a, a, a spiritual response that's found in our tradition that jumped out at me this week when I did a funeral. And it's, it was language that I've been reading in, at funerals for years and years. But it hit me differently, and it fits into this conversation right at this point, because it's both material and knowable, and it's also spiritual and perhaps truly unknowable, but an answer to the question. And that's this language that I read that says the body returns, the body uh, returns to dust, but the spirit returns to the God who gave it. And that's kind of like saying that there is this embrace that takes place, the embrace of the spirit. I was thinking about um, this sermon that Rabbi Bakhtel from Central Synagogue in New York City gave in response to the hostage crisis the week before in Colleyville, Texas. It was a magnificent sermon. Avi sent it to me, and then I sent it on to, you know, 2,000 people on my mailing list, that sermon. And so she was saying, she was talking about how insecure we all are and how insecure she felt. And she was a rabbi standing in front of a congregation, a great rabbi, a, really a powerful woman who's also extremely humble and willing to accept her own uncertainty and limitation. And what she said was, what we have to do with all this anxiety and uncertainty is make sure we come together. And that's kind of make sure we come together, make sure we give each other the love that we need. And, and that's kind of what you were saying, Allison. So that, and you know, and there's, there's a theology that says that's where God is in that relationship. And in in God's more powerful when the space between us is smaller. Yeah. And, and what if when, when Rabbi describes that, the answer to Avi's question of, I didn't bring my game, I didn't know I needed a game. If the answer to that is, but if I don't have to have game alone, the Avi's feeling of I'm alone in meeting her needs in or as a couple, as a family, but then you flip it to Allison's response that, my feeling of not being enough became enough when I shared it. And then that gets brought into Rabbi's point of if we're together in the questions, we don't have to be enough by ourselves. I, I was thinking about something. We ever something. are. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you want, did you, no. I was thinking about something just before we started to do this. 
In the late 90s, there was an Italian film called Life is Beautiful. And it was about a man, he was a storekeeper and his son, they were separated from his wife and, this, and the little boy's daughter and during the Second World War and they were sent by the Nazis to a concentration camp. And what this man did in the barracks of the concentration camp and in the camp with his little boy is he made it a big game. And rather than allowing either himself to be uh, overwhelmed by the fear and the angst of that situation, he focused on creating an imaginary world in the concentration camp. Now, there were a lot of people that were critical of the film because anything that would you know, see as making that anything less then the heart of evil was not worthy. But I think it was not, it wasn't really a, a teaching about the concentration camp. It was a teaching about how do we deal with our kids in hardship in some way. So on one hand, we say they have to know hardship because it's inevitable. On the other hand, the parent was able to create joy for the kid in this, in this you know, horrible situation. And I think that when we're dealing with little kids, you know, there is, there is this issue of how much of our own uncertainty or how much of the darkness do we let them in on and how much do we protect them by creating joy for them in the midst of all of that. And actually, Avi, you have, you have some thoughts on this. And I, cause I remember then, so we're talking about 10, over 20 years ago, I remember that that film was very, it was a very powerful film for you. Do you remember? I mean, I remember the film, yes, yes. Um, well, do I have thoughts on the film? Or this idea of kind of protecting our children from hardship. And in the film, um, what the guy does is he creates a fantasy world for the child. Yeah. Right. Right. I think that um, Louis might be better suited to speak to the question than, than I am. Um, <laughs> So well, we as, as we wait for Louis, Allison, what yeah. do you think? What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, we we kind of touched on this a little bit last time too. That you know, there are stories you can tell. I loved one of the things that I took away from our last conversation was Avi's theory on, you know, stories and fairy tales, and there's an end and before the end, there's always some sort of turbulence. There's always some sort of, um, you know, drama there. There's, there's bad, there's bad parts. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, it's all in how we present to our children. I mean, as I said earlier, you know, this conversation led to so many different other conversations that I had with people and, you know, they said, well, yeah, you can answer the God question, but then what comes after that? You know, cause, cause that's just what you believe is God evil. Yes or no, no, of course is God isn't evil. What makes you think that? And then what is it that's making them think that, you know, and, and that can easily be 
switched, you know, oh, because everybody has to wear masks. Well, we wear masks to protect people. We're all like superheroes. We have the capacity to save people by wearing masks. So I think there are ways that that parents have to be creative and switch the narrative, sort of like what, what Karen was saying. Um, you know, we don't necessarily have to have the answers because um, I've been proven that nobody does, nobody has these answers and nobody knows the right thing to say, but you can absolutely use all of it as a creative learning um, and parenting exercise, I think. I see someone peeking. Thank you, Allison. Um, <laughs> but I see a wise blue monster um, with I a whole a non-human perspective <laughs> to, to share That's with right. us. Hi, Louie. Hi, thank you for having me on. Hello, hello. Yeah, I mean, first of all, that was beautiful. And uh, I'm having so many thoughts, but here are some that I've been having. One is that, uh, you know, we have this monster expression and it says that your kids, basically, they, they sleep in the room that you don't tend to. They, they, they dream in the space that you don't deal with. In other words, to protect your kids from the darkness, you better be dealing with your own darkness. That's, that's a very big thing. And if you're not doing that, no answer will convince them of anything. I hadn't thought of that. See? Thank you, Larry. See? <laughs> Furthermore, you know, I like that. That was a good movie. That's... Uh, Bellini, right? Benini? Benini, Roberto. yeah. Won the yeah. Academy Award. Yeah. So listen, I was thinking about that too. And it's it comes down to, you know, beyond what you bring your kid, especially those of you stuck so long with your kids. What do they experience you doing? Do you put on music? Do you praise the sunrise? or the birds outside the window? Do you play? Do you read? Do you do things that tell a story that something bigger goes on and we can live into this? And so then that, that stuff connects the kids, you know? And if you just put it on for them, that's what I think that movie, you know, well, whatever, it was a movie. <laughs> yeah. But Louie, you just checked off my whole list here. Of, oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry, Karen. In, in, in the beautiful way, because um, it sounds way better um, when a monster validates the play, the music, the poetry, the stories, the rituals, the And the, the shadow, the shadow. And the shadow. Um, yeah. And dancing with that shadow. That, but, but kids know we can dance with the darkness kids have access to that that dreamscape that they're in they can remind us to be to bring it out and make it concrete as we're thinking of all of our theories so but but i think you've also told us why we needed part one to explore our feelings 
So then we could show up for our children, um, not always with a guidebook, but with, with, with the stamina to, to be who we are as individuals and as families. I think so much of this comes to our family identity. Who are we as a family? We're a family that sings. We're a family that notices the birds. We're a family that, that plays. And once they have that, and then to rabbi, of course, because you've said it so much, when we feel a Jewish identity, that fills up some of those spaces. And then they have something to lay their head against when, when they're exhausted and we're exhausted too. Getting back to the original question that started it, that is the little girl who asked if God is evil. I do. I was thinking about something. There's um, a depiction of the first 10 commandments being given on two separate tablets. And on one side of the tablets, the first four are all about the relationship between God and people. The fifth one is about honoring your parents. On the other side, all of those commandments are about the relationships between people. And so the question is, why is that one that has to do with a person and parents on that side with the that describes the relationship between people and God? And one of the answers given is that it's through parent, it's through the parents that one gets to know, initially gets to know God and what the way what the parents present to the child and how the parents teach the child and how the parents love the child or not. So when we're not feeling like we've got the resourcefulness or the resilience to be there for them, then I think that brings us full circle to say, okay, so what do we really need as the grownups so that we can step out and so where do we go get those needs met so we can then show up for our children? Because yes, they need us to represent safety, security. We don't want our children to parent us. We want to co-create, collaborate, and problem solve with them. But they, we still have to be a buoyant anchor in that storm. So, um, and if we're not feeling up to it, because I think that was the one thing I thought of, because Rabbi, I've been thinking about life is beautiful this week. And then I thought, but last week we were asking, what about authenticity you know how do i be open and authentic and the strong guiding force that we want to be and 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 the trick is not all of us in covid are up every minute to be the the, the puppeteer putting on the show for our kids we want to believe in the stories but sometimes we have to break down our veneer and go um, it's, it's a hard day. And on hard days, this is what I know can help me. And you help me too. I mean, one of the responses I got last week, Allison, was a lot of people saying, through all of the struggles, we, do, we, we figured out no matter what, we'll have each other. And, and, and that strength that it gave a parent to know that they weren't, that they didn't, that they could go through a struggle and still be there for their child, even when they're vulnerable. So it's, I think that's the dance is we want to be the guy that creates the safe bubble for our children. And we want to be authentic enough to say, 
and I'm not perfect. And to Avi's question at the end of last week is at what point does our confusion, uncertainty um, create instability and panic for our children? And you know what I think the answer to that is? In short doses, we have to be uncertain and vulnerable and confused. And then we find a way back to some sort of solid ground that then says, okay, now I'm back to somebody you can depend on until the next time you see me lose it and then become back to somebody you can depend on. But I will always be some, I will always find my way back to being somebody you can depend on. Um, Louis? Well, yeah, this is what I thought of. That was so beautiful and sensitive. And what I thought of is that the even let's say you are a parent that is insightful enough to know that you have a need and what's more you are enough of a genius that you figured out what to do about it even if that's the case still these days that doesn't mean you're going to get the need met i mean much of our resources up here up north are still you know, tenuous or withdrawn from us. And I know half of Avi's toolkit is not, not to embarrass you, available to him at the moment. So sometimes it's like, how do you kind of note the need and note that you can't necessarily meet it for whatever lack of resources or whatever time you're in? Yes, thanks. Thank you. But, the, but then we sometimes need professionals or that person outside of ourself that, you know, like I just want to, if I don't have a professional, sometimes as a grown woman, I just want my mother. <laughs> I just want somebody to make it all okay for a moment. Um, and I wish all young mothers had their mothers um, or that, that, that person you know, it's, we've got to find our people. We've got to find our help. But yeah, you're right. We're back in, we're back to when those, those times when we can't see that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and you know what, one of the notes I have written down here is how do I, and, and I, I'm going to give it right back to you, Louie, and I, we're almost out of time. I thought like, I need, if I'm going to teach children to be a problem solver, if I'm going to teach them to be resilient and resourceful, and we know the tools for kids to, to help that, and maybe that's our next topic, but it's like, how do I have a relationship with hope? How, how do I find a relationship with hope? And my list is literally play, music, poetry, stories. I mean, uh, and 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 for rabbi and for the for the sake of the language of ahava a jewish community and and shabbat and 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 all we we have to make that list and as somebody wrote i read a beautiful thing this week that self-care isn't pretty it's not nice scents and bubble baths it's hard work and sometimes we don't have the energy for that hard work and we nap and we and we ask for an uppy because we have to take care of our inner child too um, when we're completely lost. But I have to keep climbing way back, my way back to hope. I have to. 
for children, for no other reason than for those little people that have a future. Um, I'm going to ask you all for your wrap ups. We're out of time. And this is the purpose of this podcast. Please, parents, if we didn't answer some specific question about child development, children's needs, a parenting strategy, we all have the tools. We will send them to you personally. Email us, message us. We are here to support you through this. And we just want you to be engaged with us. Louis, give us a wrap, please, from your point of view. Or Avi, if you if he if he's got something in that toolbox to share with oh, us. Oh boy, can some can you start with somebody else? Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. Allison, how you feeling? You have hope? I do. I do have hope. Um, I absolutely have hope. Um, you know, this it's this this is hard because there are literally such big questions and not a lot of answers. Um, I just want to say that you know you had said if anybody has any questions or thoughts, you know that that we have, you know we can continue this conversation. And I just want to say, obviously, just as a fellow mom, I I don't have any specific you know developmental or rabbinical or you know um, therapist background, but I'm definitely an ear and. Um, you know, open ear, open heart, whatever you need, um, feel free to reach out because we need each other. And, um, you know, I, I think the last two weeks, I just want to keep coming back to kindness and, you know, the people that are helping each other and the people that are providing the light those are the people that we need to focus on. And that's maybe where God is. So how could God be evil when God has so many amazing people? And we have summer famine who will also help us meet other people's needs. When, right. when in doubt, mm. go help somebody else. Right. We've, got, we've got places who need you. You matter. Mm -hmm. So let us know if you need to be needed because right. we've got those spaces for you. Yep. Avi, you want, if, if you don't go next, then then you get last word. So it's either you or Rabbi. Give him last word. Okay, take it, Rabbi. You get Avi, second you, to the last. Avi, you can have last word. Um, well, first of all, you you took what I was going to say, and that had to do with, and for our population, that had to do with summer. And there are all these possibilities to help other people and what that does for us. But then the second thing is, and I had this other conversation this morning where that was with a, a group of elderly people talking about what's going on in their lives and with the pandemic. And one of the things that each one of them said after talking about what their challenges are is, you know, but I don't have it so bad. I have a roof over my head. I have a nice view from my window. I have enough food. So I think that that contained within gratitude also is a doorway to hope. And so I think that we can we can do that. And that perhaps may be as essential a religious uh, message as possible. That is gratitude that can lead to hope for the future. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Look for the doorways. Louis okay. I'll, I yeah, I got something. So you know, I know that so many people listening, they want to be good shepherds for their kids. That this is a common understanding. And I just want you to know that I knew shepherds 
personally. And what people forget is that the shepherds, they, they would follow the sheep, not the other way around. That you're there and you're stable, but you are not always leading the way. So Allison, so, can, so Allison can tell you something that I can tell you unabashedly. Your children aren't here, Allison, but my son is here. And that is, this is one of my greatest teachers. And I'm sure your daughters are also wonderful teachers. Absolutely. Thank you all. And Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for listening today, for being part of this moment, for being part of these Ahava connections and for trying to give a little ahava to one another. Thank you to my co-host, Rabbi David Steinhardt, for always adding timeless wisdom and a meaningful connection to our world and to this podcast. Thank you, B'nai Torah Congregation, for being our community of support and a place to share with one another. You hold us together in a world that is too often pulling us apart. Thank you to Cantor Magda Fishman for your voice, your whistling, your song, and the soul that you bring to everything you do. If you don't know Cantor Fishman, please check her out at B'nai Torah Services. You will be transformed and inspired. Finally, thank you to the Jewish Federation of South Palm Beach County for helping to fund this Ahava podcast and Ahava Nature Shabbat. And to our Ahava Malahim, our angels, the families who also help underwrite these Ahava projects. For more information about B'nai Torah Congregation, the website is btcboca.org. You can also find me, Karen Deerwester, at familytimeinc.com. Until next time, Shabbat Shalom and give a little Ahava. Take care. You make this world a better place, a much better place to be. When you give a little ahava, when you give a little love, you'll see. You'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be. You'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be.